Cool. You're not going to be mad at me if I make fun of people who hike the Grand Canyon in masks. You're not going to be mad at me when I make fun of you for going to Las Vegas, are you? No, I won't be. (laughs) You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 317 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Seth Miller and uh, special guest Michael Traeger of Travelzork and the Travelzork YouTube channel. Hi, Michael. Hi, how are you doing? Good, good. Welcome to the show. Um, you are uh, our our Vegas our Vegas guy, and uh, we wanted to have you on uh, to talk a bit about Vegas and your travels there. Um, but first, we have some follow up. But first, uh, we have Hi some fo- <laughs> we have some follow up from last week. Uh, we, Seth, we do, and this is just an amazing coincidence. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the one Dutch town that made all of the bridges. Um, from all the Euro notes. And then last week we talked about the uh, shuttle, the train that overran its stop and got caught on the back of a whale tail statue. In Rotterdam. It turns out it's a suburb of Rotterdam. It's the same town as did all the bridges. <laughs> Amazing coincidences. Thank you to the name of this town that I'm not going to get right, so I'm not even going to try. Um, mostly because I don't have it in front of me to read. But yes, same town. Amazing. I can't wait to see what they're going to do next month to keep us talking about this. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, let's just jump right into Michael's travels then. Um, Michael, you flew London Heathrow to LAX in BA first, correct? I did, yes. And, and, and talked to you about a similar trip back earlier in the summer also, right? You did. Um, and this time, uh, since we are not sure how long we're going to be in California, I wanted I needed a one-way ticket with maximum bags. And as you know, there was a wonderful Avio sale and I was able to time it properly to get 50% off Avios, which was great on a ticket and paying the exorbitant uh, YQ and fees. But it still worked out really well because since I'm gold and my wife is silver, even since we were on the same Avios reservation, we both got gold benefit for bags, which is a total of eight bags for first class. And we actually had to pay for one more. <laughs> so we actually had nine bags. So this was one of those strange kind of situations where the baggage allowance was super valuable for us. <laughs> now, what was the overage charge for that ninth bag? Was it like the $800 because are you fucking kidding me? Or was it just like, here's another hundred quid and we're done? You know what? I was really worried about about that because I've seen that before on airlines when you get US carriers uh, would have screwed you they would have said okay this is your fourth bag and they would have charged you the fourth bag rate yeah what BA did is the price was 150 pounds but it was 135 pounds online being the gambler I didn't pre-purchase it before I got to the airport because I thought maybe I'll get a really nice check-in agent I knew this was never going to happen that would give me the (laughs) that would give me the bag for free well she was super nice and said to me no she actually called to see if she could waive the charge which which I thought was nice, which I knew was never going to happen. And when she couldn't, I had mentioned the online and she says, well, why don't you just go on the app now and buy it, you know, right now? And I literally did it right there. I bought it for 135. It took about three minutes for it to show up in her system. uh, And it saved me the money. She also was super helpful because as you know, there is a 32 kilogram limit on bags. And one of our bags was 37 and one was 35. So we had to do a whole bunch of shifting. You did not want to be behind us at check-in, but we were at first wing. First wing was empty. She was a super nice gal, and we it took us 45 minutes to check in, but after rearranging everything, we had all nine of our bags checked in. So that was uh, that was great. And we went through an empty security at First Wing. As you know, First Wing brings you to the BA First Class Lounge. 
which is now open. The first class lounge now for British Airways works better than it ever did before because you've got table QR code ordering. So now you order whatever you want and it's brought to you. So you no longer have trouble getting a waiter or getting service. The Concord Room is closed, but there is now a Concord Terrace. What's the Concord Terrace? It's the part of the First Class Lounge that was the First Class Lounge Terrace, is now the Concord Terrace. And the Concord Terrace has a menu sort of similar to the first menu, but the really big part about the Concord Terrace is you still have the really good uh, Laurent Perrier LPGS champagne, you have Johnny Walker Blue, and you have all of that. Overall, I thought really you were going to say the nachos. let's just say this that it is obscene for british people to think of putting nachos on a menu because you know it's going to be executed horribly and i could give you pictures of this because this became a whole conversation like nacho ba first nachos and this is it's just you know this is the thing with with mexican food in europe they think tortilla chips are doritos and just (laughs) end end the story right there that's that's mexican food in in europe yeah um What's it's, Is it Oaxaca? There's a chain in London that has uh, vaguely Oaxaca, something like that. It's Oaxaca. Right? And they're actually – Oaxaca's sort of fun. And they're casual and inexpensive. And they're, they're – and actually, I can tell you probably the two best Mexican restaurants in London because Ellen and I tried about 12 of them. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> so uh, I, I can also – I'm not saying Oaxaca is good Mexican food, but I'm saying it's at least tolerable and fun. And I, I – partly because I go with the same friend every time I'm in London. But – um Anyway, and I would be I would be glad if they could help BA with their nachos on the menu, but but I took a lot I took a lot of great pictures, uh, and and the Concord Concord Terrace was was fabulous. If you are flying British Airways, you do need to realize that they have extremely abbreviated their food and beverage service, even in first class. They also still have no glassware in premium cabins, <laughs> which is a really thing that bothers me. Uh, so so the best experience is going to be at the Concord Terrace because what you get in flight is better than what you were getting in June, but is nowhere near up to what a even British Airways international first class standard would be. Hmm. How, how full was your flight this time? Uh, the flight was a 40% load. Uh, first class though, unbelievably or believably, I think I actually threw the numbers at Seth maybe when I was on the flight, but first class was more than 40% and club was probably a little bit under 40%. Uh, world traveler plus was, I think pretty much so empty. And then the rest was an economy class, (laughs) but you're talking about a 40, you're talking about a 40% load, but I mean, you guys are the numbers experts on all of this. If looking at the club cabin and the first club cabin, even if only 15 or 20 percent of those were paying the exorbitant close to full the exorbitant fares that BA is charging these days, they're probably sort of cool, you know, with with the addition of the cargo. Also, our dog was on the plane um, in the hold and his ticket exceeded the price of the taxes and obvious for Ellen and myself. So he was a fortune to fly to California. He was uh, about 1300 pounds. Now does he, does he, does he count as your, one of your bags? No. <clears throat> and you know, one of the things I was pissed off about is I think he should get a baggage allowance. 
Yeah, because yeah. we had to pay for a ticket for him, and then we had to pay. So why I don't understand why he doesn't get a baggage allowance. I will do. I will say that the folks at Pet Air UK, which is the designated handler for pets for IAG and British Airways, did a superb job. Really good information, keeping me informed. You know, he's now waiting to be boarded and is happy. I mean, I didn't send a picture, so I'm going to assume <laughs> that they're telling the truth. But you know, basically, procedurally. Uh, you cannot have any pets fly because he's Leo is the size to fly in cabin. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's within the six kilo to eight kilo range, but none of, no British airline will allow a pet to fly in cabin. That's it's just against the rules. American Airlines like does ever or just for COVID, like ever. They okay. now part of this. Okay, I, I will caveat this: is if I turned him into an emotional support jog traveling to the United States, I probably could get away with it. But I fr- think, from an ethics standard, fake emotional support dogs. I, I, I just I couldn't do it. I can't do mm-hmm. it, even though it and cost that, me a lot. That loophole is going to end soon, anyway. So. Yeah. So basically, UK used to, and the short story that I understand is UK used to have a very strict quarantine on on animals coming into the country. When they did away with the quarantine, they still kept a rather strict unionized animal welfare kind of animal reception kind of thing. So I think they didn't want to lose all those jobs. So they still have that very strict protocol. So there's a whole animal welcome reception center and all of this stuff that needs to be done for a dog to fly. We went a little bit further with Pet Air UK because we don't have a car. So they picked Leo up the day before. They made sure he got his vet examination, his fit to fly. His forms were filled out and certified. They did the check-in at Heathrow. Uh, They also built a custom design. You know, they put together a custom design crate for him, you know, and all of that kind of stuff uh, with a watering system and all of that for his flight. So they they did a really good job. It's just uh, it's a crazy expensive. We did consider one of the ways that you could fly in cabin with your pet is to fly on one of the other European carriers, not from the UK. So fly from Amsterdam or fly from Frankfurt, let's say. We didn't have the wherewithal to travel to Amsterdam to do that. And then we were considering, since there was great availability on uh, Lufty first class, doing, you know, doing Lufthansa. But even then, we were worried about baggage allowance. And also, it makes a really, really long day to have to go in cabin with your dog from London to Frankfurt and then have a connection and then go from Frankfurt to Los Angeles. On top of the fact, one of the greatest benefits, I think, of Lufthansa first class is getting to use the first class terminal and the first class terminal is closed due to COVID. So uh, that's uh, so basically we just decided we just had to do it this way. Leo's only flown in a hold once before to the UK and we just we just put up with it. And he did. He did fine. I was more. Yeah, he's, he's, I can hear him in the background. He sounds great. <laughs> I will say he was. Steven, you're just jealous. It's not your dog <laughs> on this week's show. That's true. <laughs> the hard hardest part was figuring out how we were going to handle uh, clearance because since BA only has one flight a day, the flight didn't land until close to eight o'clock at night and the cargo facility closes at 10 o'clock at night. And basically you need to clear, you need to, I need to get the rental car. I needed to get to the cargo facility, pick up his paperwork, then go to US Customs, get Customs to sign off on the paperwork, then go back to the cargo facility. But Never gonna happen. I had a friend who was nice enough to get somebody who uh, in Los Angeles who was able to do that whole process while we were getting our nine bags and doing all of that. So that worked out. That worked out really, uh, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, and, I mean, what, what would be the process in that case if, if uh, let's say, you weren't able to get to him before they closed? Would it be he stays overnight and they, they care for him? Or is it, is it, you know, like, 
kick him to the curb. <laughs> well, they they told me, quote, not to worry that they would stay open until I finished okay. it, or they would keep someone there. But unlike the UK, this was literally just an IAG cargo affiliate. Yeah. You know, this was not an animal, a place where an animal could be taken care of. And obviously, when we when we finally did get him and uh, the person who met him came out and we had our car there, we got him in the crate, he, he was a little pissed off. Uh, and also, <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think he also was a little pissed off because he pissed, but uh, uh, because they give him, uh, unlike when I fly with him in cabin, I don't give him water up to, I don't give him water and food up to 12 hours before the flight. I just give him a little bit of water on my finger, but they can't Mm. really do that. So they had a watering system. So I'm sure he got nervous and he drank water and eventually he had a pee. So even though he had his nice bed down there, he had a pee in the crate. So it couldn't have been very comfortable for him for the final whatever amount of time of the flight where he peed in the crate. But there's nothing you could do about that. And he did get an award once we got him settled in the car and we had to drive to Palm Springs. We had no dog food with us because at the last moment we realized, shit, we can't check the dog. We can't check the dog food with us or carry it on because it's got meat. Mm-hmm. And and that's a violation for customs. I said, great, I'll lose my global entry over a bag of dog food. <laughs> so <clears throat> Also, you have to assume that the sniffer dogs would definitely notice that one. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And they were there. So we stopped at In-N-Out Burger and Leo got his first. Uh, we just gave him an In-N-Out Burger, a burger just on a bun. So he did get, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog, dog's eating better than me. <laughs> I don't know. In-N-Out's not that good. <laughs> oh, 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 man. We're going to get some feedback. Well, you know, what? what of my, my friends said that. One of my friends said, yeah, I don't like In-N-Out Burger. It's just, it's just about right for dogs. <laughs> I like it because of its location. Uh, I, I like the location on the one on, on South Sepulveda outside the airport. The others, not as much. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Michael, you, you, you went to Vegas, correct? And you went to Vegas back in June. And and uh, you are you were back now for, I guess, in August. Was it in August for another opening? Um, tell us about that. Well, I was back. I, I was back now for the opening of uh, the the opening of Circa. So basically, okay. basically, Circa is the first new hotel to be built in downtown Las Vegas, which is like by the Golden Nugget and the Plaza. The first new hotel in downtown Las Vegas in forty years. Mm. So it's a really big deal. It's it's an amazing hotel. If you go on our YouTube, you will see a bunch of videos about like the opening speeches at a VIP party. What's very interesting here is that they were supposed to open at the end of December. Uh, the hotel and the casino and the stadium swim. They also have the world's largest sports book. Really phenomenal to check out. They decided to move it forward, but only open the casino, dining, sports book, stadium swim, and to delay the opening of the hotel until the end of the year. Now, this made a lot of sense for a number of reasons. One, downtown Las Vegas, unlike the Strip, the hotels get 50%, uh, close to 50% of their revenue from casino gaming, maybe a little bit lower than that. So they get, so they're not as reliant on convention and hotel rooms. The other thing is that, as we know, the last thing Las Vegas needs right now without conventions is more hotel rooms <laughs> because, they, <clears throat> but the, the thing that was interesting, and if you talk to them, one of the biggest problems was construction of a, 30 plus story building during COVID. Because think about when you're constructing a building, you have those elevators for the construction workers. And you know how they cram in like 50 people in that elevator to go up to the 30th floor to work or the 27th floor. Guess what? It went from like 30 to 20 to 10 to like four people. Well, those elevators don't move very fast. So your speed of being able to get workers up 
and workers out on different shifts slows down. So you actually can't meet your construction deadlines <laughs> because wow. you can't get your workers up. So they came up with this brilliant idea, which was basically we're going to open up the first six floors, which is just dining and casino and all of that. And then we're going to continue work on the hotel and we'll open a hotel at the end of the year. Gaming had to approve that because basically in order in a casino, you know, in Las Vegas, you need to have, you know, or that kind of casino, you need to have a hotel with it. And gaming did approve that. So that's a little bit of the backstory. Story. What's amazing is this is probably, obviously, it's historic. It's the first casino to ever open during a pandemic. It's also probably the first casino or any hotel casino or anything that's ever opened ahead of schedule. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it was really cool. And it was a black tie. We were invited to the black tie VIP opening, which was really neat. And we, I mean, we were a little nervous about going to an event during COVID, but, you know, everybody, I mean... Obviously, I think in some ways going to events like that where you're just checking different things out and what they did is they did a really good job. They had all the restaurants open. They had everything so that you could basically browse everything that was going on. The way a casino opening is done traditionally. So this was on Tuesday night. We got there at seven. The casino opened to the public at midnight. At midnight, gaming starts. <laughs> so that's so what happens is you're sort of wandering around a casino with everything turned off, but all the dealers in place. So it's sort of cool. And also they had the historic uh they got a bunch of casino executives from the different casino companies, Al Cortez, uh Boyd, MGM and all and uh Jonathan Jossel from the Plaza, and all of those executives were around a dice table to to play the dice to open up the first dice game. So I thought that was really cool too. That is pretty cool. I like that. Now, did did they? I mean, you said it was a, it was a large opening. I'm guessing there was a, a large number of guests invited. What was? Do you know the total numbers? I mean, I would say for the initial opening uh, for the VIP party, it had to be well over 400 people. Wow, wow! But I mean, it how- also was a rather large place. I mean, it's it's awful hard to tell. And one of the things that you know I find is that you pretty much so uh, keep to yourselves quite a bit, and and I'm pre- and my wife and I did that quite a bit. Uh, We met a few people that we knew, but most people, everyone had their masks on. They had security going around, even during the VIP party, reminding people, if you're not physically drinking, and this is is the pain, right? You start to drink your cocktail and you're talking to someone and you have your mask down and you keep your mask down. And they did have people coming around saying, if you're not you, you basically you need to drink mask up, smoke Mm -hmm. mask up, drink Mm -hmm. mask up. This casino also has a wondrous filtration system. So all of the air conditioning comes flows from the ground. So they have this great thing with this whole HVAC system that comes up from the ground and they have these grates in the ground. So it sort of pushes all the air up, which works really well because the entire place is smoking. Also, this casino is 21 plus. Hotel will be 21 plus. Casino's 21 plus. It's it's a lot. It, they've done a couple of different things. Uh, I can't even explain to you what Stadium Swim is exactly like without looking at Circus Las Vegas. But basically, it's this huge outdoor area open all year long with these gigantic video screens for, you know, sports. And then their sports book, you can't describe it. It's just, it's just amazing, you know? And they have this other thing, which I'm going to latch onto because I, I love food, where you can order a whole roasted pig at the sports book and they'll deliver it to your party. <laughs> so, I mean, and the restaurants are amazing. Their steakhouse is super cool. They've got a really good Asian restaurant, which is more like a tapas kind of thing. And all of the restaurants. Wait, what is Asian tapas? 
dim sum. It's some, I don't know. Dim sum uh, yakitori. I mean, like yes, yes, yes. All of that. I should pull up the menu. <laughs> but but there's a story, and one of the things that I what was great. So this this is a independently owned casino. It's owned by Derek Stevens and his brother, and Derek is really the voice behind all of this stuff. And this guy, in in Jewish terms, to me is a true mensch. He mingles with the customers. He has always done that. But if you listen to these speeches, his big theme is we are all in this together. Like this casino is good for us, but we hope that people will come to us and then they will go to Cosmo to do this. And then they will go to Westgate to see their sports book because they started it all. And then and he went on and on about how Vegas is all about everybody's supporting each other. And while I don't believe it's so much from the big corporation casinos, I really do. I mean, it, it re- his message really does resonate and it is very sincere. And they also spent a lot of time thanking the employees involved in all of the work for this casino opening. So it it, it was really nice. I mean, I, I, I really liked it. Now, being, I can't being, believe you went to a giant party in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, 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 you've said all the things and I, I get it. It's just, it's, there's a disconnect in my brain there. About going to a party in Vegas? Going to a huge indoor event. And I feel like especially Vegas because you've already got people who take bigger risks. By definition, right? They're, they're, they're gamblers. Yeah, but let's, let's, but most of the indoor part was when you were mingling, when you were wandering around by yourself. All of the speeches and presentations were outside at Stadium Swim. So the part where you, you know how you have that part of an evening where you tell everyone, come gather together at this one place, that was all outside. Yeah, but you, I mean, you, you stayed in, you stayed inside, you gambled, you spent days doing that, right? It wasn't just the party, I guess. That's, it's, and I, I warned you that I was going to bust your balls a little bit on this, but like, it's still just amazing to me. I don't know. I, I'm traveling right now for work and like to get me to go into a building that has three other people in it is a serious challenge. My thought process, and I'm not going to tell you, like I've told you my constant thought process here, my thought process one versus thought process number two, right? And I, and I go through this all the time. I'm having, a fabulous time, time of my life. This is Vegas. This is great. It's everything that I like. And thought process number two is I'm going to die of COVID-19. And obviously, depending on the amount of alcohol I have, I stay more in thought process number one. Uh, but, you know, I think a big part of it is, and obviously we, we have to justify what we have to justify for ourselves. A big part of it is the social circle that you're around in. I am not I think it's very difficult to socialize with people you don't know or just to socialize with strangers. I think that's sort of gone or done. I think you're mostly stuck with your own party, you know, and I think that's it. And I, and I think that's okay. But of course, that does have the risks if anyone in your own group, you know, is, is a problem. So that, I, I guess at the gaming tables, everything is so spread out. You know, basically, you've got three people to a side on a dice table. You're not on top of anyone, and you're wearing a mask. You're constantly using, you know, the antiseptic things that you're putting on your hands all the time. I just, I don't know. I mean, do you consider somebody who is less than six feet away from me and wearing a mask, but is around me for more than 15 minutes, which would be a dice table, do you consider that to be risky? And I guess that would be the main thing that would answer your question. Or you could just not gamble. Now, slot players, video poker players, they can completely isolate because the slot machines are are set up now with slot machines turned off that there's nobody ever next to you. So you could pretty much so be by yourself the entire time. Yeah, I guess I, I'm still at the point where I'm trying to spend very little time inside commercial buildings at all. I think, and, that, and that's part of the disconnect for me, right? Like I won't go to a restaurant and sit down inside. 
at all anywhere. So that and that's to me, you know, at the dice games and whatever is very similar in that. Like it's just spending that much extra time in an indoor space. Um, even with the brand new ventilation system that's supposed to be sucking the air out. Um, it's backwards from the way the airlines do it. They go top to bottom. These guys are going bottom to top. I don't know. Um, but it's just, it's, I get it. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying it's something that I just struggle with. I, it's not where I'm at and from a comfort level yet. No, and it's, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, in theory, though, you could go to Vegas and only dine outside and not gamble at tables and not do that. I mean, I, I hear you on all then of that. And why the hell would I be in Vegas? I hate it anyways. Like, none of these things... <laughs> Well, they've got, I will tell you the restaurants at 50% capacity and the amount of space. I mean, like, honestly, there's nobody, you, yeah. it, it's the best dining experience you ever had, right? If you ever used to feel like, holy, holy goodness, there are just so many people in here. It's so loud. That's gone now. Even SW Steakhouse, which is super busy, you know, it's half the number of people. One of the things that's funny is though, this came up a little while ago. All the restaurants now are into the QR codes, you know, to mm-hmm. find your menu. But Wynn, I think, thinks that QR codes are not posh enough. So they hand you these gigantic paper menus. And then when you're done with them, they take them and they rip them violently and throw them in the garbage. But all night long, watching these waiters constantly rip up all the menus is just bizarre to me. I know they're recycling them, but it's just the fact that you hand this menu to them and they go through this whole process of they have to rip it up because they can't hand someone the menu again, which is probably to Seth's point. We're dining inside anyway. We're all in there. I mean, is it really that dangerous for a paper menu to be used again? And I I have no idea. Maybe you know, but I mean, I, I just... I, I think it's optically annoying, but but sort of hum- <laughs> but, but but sort of humorous to watch them ripping them up all the time. What's um, I mean, like I for me, you know, we've kind of avoided we we pretty much avoid eating out uh, in restaurants. But like when we have gone places where they have outdoor dining, we've used the QR code. And one of the things that I actually enjoy is that I can order exactly what I want and like put in my comments, like remove this or add this. And I don't even have to talk to a waiter. I mean, it, it for an introvert like myself, it is actually quite nice. <laughs> you would you, you would love the new BA first the BA first lounge experience. You would love. <laughs> uh, you would absolutely love. But the problem in Vegas is. It's not really like that. It's just mm. to pull up, it's just to pull up a PDF, and the ordering is still. In other words, the vast majority of these restaurants are just pulling off a PDF, pulling up a PDF, or something from their website that shows the menu. It's it doesn't allow you to order or do any of the ordering. You have to order with the human being still. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, it's just so you- that they don't have to throw away the menus, and that they're just. <laughs> <laughs> One question so, I had for you is um, how does this work? You, you mentioned the hotel, the new hotel is is twenty one and up only, right? So how does how do you think that impacts uh, just the future of them as going? You know, we're going to see travel kind of take a dip for a while. Do you think that's a good thing that they're twenty one and up, or do you think it's going to be something that they struggle with during the pandemic? I think it's a good thing for what they're trying to do. And actually, mm. they, were, they were already copied. Uh, one of the final Caesars properties to open, there's one more left to open, which is called Rio Las Vegas. But the Cromwell, uh, just which is next to Flamingo, just opened, which is a Caesars property. And they decided to go 21 plus on their Didn't the Cromwell try to pretend they were like a boutique hotel for a while? 
They are pretending that. Well, they have that really good Italian restaurant, Giada. There, I mean, they do have. Some I just of, remember. I can't remember what it was called before, but I remember they. It's like it was a dump location. Barbary, Bar, Barbary Coast. Yes, it was Barbary shithole. Yeah, uh. and, and they really did fix it up. And the property is lovely, and they have some of the best gambling odds on the strip. And it was very funny because they opened on the Thursday. I was in Vegas, and about five days before they announced, "We're going to be twenty-one plus at opening," and I'm like, "Wow, where did they get that idea from?" <laughs> because this is, <laughs> but. Um, um, that they're they're trying that, but they have very few hotel rooms, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, overall, the Cromwell is a small hotel that doesn't have a lot of features. They have a night, they have a lounge. I mean, so the, here's the thing: clubs can't be open in Vegas. Lounges can be open, uh, and and bars at hotels and like center bars and loungy kind of bars. A couple of the things that they're doing at the bars uh, that I think I might have mentioned to you was that you you're required to wear your mask at all times when you're indoors at a bar, be it a center bar, a lobby bar, or whatever. But if you happen to have any food at the table, you don't need to wear your mask. You know, so basically, if you're just there for cocktails, sip your cocktail, put your mask back on, smoke your cigarette, put your mask back on. But if you order food, you don't have to keep your mask on with your party. And remember, all the tables are still socially distanced. So all of the restaurant, all of the bars now have set up where you can just order a little thing of popcorn or a little thing of nuts for like $3. And if they put that down on the table, then you don't have to wear your masks. Hmm. Seems like a little travel hack for people who don't want to wear masks. Well, it is. And what's funny about it in Vegas is that the casino security is still watching compliance in the bars. So they're looking and they're telling the waitresses, you need to tell those people they need to keep their mask on, uh, except for when they're drinking, unless all of a sudden you get food. So that's a little bit interesting. But I really don't think this is, in the greater scheme of things, a huge safety issue because the tables are distanced and you're just with your own party. So I guess the issue then is waitresses coming over to you, should you have your mask on. And I would say if if you want to do proper protocol. Whenever a waitress approaches your table, you should always put your mask on. What happens on a casino floor? Well, on a casino floor, you're required to have your mask on unless you're drinking or smoking. If, say, you're smoking a cigar and you're sitting in a slot machine, like I was, <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of thing where you have the cigar in your mouth most of the time and you're smoking and a cocktail waitress comes with your drinks. The cocktail waitress will stand like two or three feet away and say, sir, I'm going to need you to put your mask on before I can come over and bring you your cocktail. And I think that's mm-hmm. total I think that's totally appropriate and I think now that I think about it and I started thinking about it more I'm like I need to be more conscious about that. So even if I'm smoking a cigar, if the waitress comes over to deliver something, I need to put my cigar down, put my mask on and then she comes over because that's the right thing to do. So I think there's a little bit of that kind of mentality too. So uh yeah. but, but and but I but it's you've got to imagine it's very difficult for the employees. One of the things that Las Vegas decided to do was to allow smoking. Like Atlantic City, everywhere else Mohegan Sun, Foxwoods, uh, Atlantic City, they said no smoking during COVID. Here in Palm Springs, all of the hotels, no smoke, all the casinos, which are also tribal, no smoking during COVID. The main reason why I think they did no smoking during COVID is because it's a hell of a lot easier from a compliance factor to not, it's one less thing that people need to take their masks down for. Mm-hmm. Vegas refused to go non-smoking during COVID. You can argue that on the side, whether that's smart or not smart. I mean, I think they did it because of commercials. I mean, I think Honestly, even though I like the idea of being able to smoke in casinos, I think they should have gone non-smoking during COVID. But since they are, that does make it extra difficult for the employees because not only are you taking your mask down to drink, you're now taking your mask down to smoke. 
So, mm-hmm. and, and the employees are enforcing it, which is not enjoyable for the employees. So I try to be as kind and gentle as I can because that's the right thing to do. But I can't imagine it's an easy job for them. Wow. I, I was wondering, too, around the question of, of you know, gambling. Um, they, I think last time you were saying uh, that plexiglass is kind of being used at different spots uh, around the casino. Um, have you seen no plexi being used or what, what are your thoughts around around plexiglass as a whole in, in the casino? My thoughts as a well, basically, it's it's pretty divided. Like Caesar's properties, pretty much so. Don't use plexiglass; they require masks. But that doesn't count anymore because when the casinos first opened in June, masks weren't required. So you could have plexi and no masks, or plexi and masks, or no plexi and masks. Mm. But now everyone's required to wear a mask. So the casinos that have plexi, it's basically plexi and a mask. So in some ways, you could say it's double safety. Mm-hmm. All of. I mean, do you generally like it? Is it does it make you feel safer, or is it is it an annoyance for you? I mostly play craps and I play baccarat. I find, and I haven't played much baccarat lately. I find, and the plexi between they put plexi sometimes between slot machines, which is totally fine. Plexi at dice just doesn't work because you're putting your hand out to roll, and your whole roll motion, you're mm-hmm. like, it, it, it's horrible. I I just don't like it at all. So I would prefer to play without plexi. I did play with plexiglass at win, and it was fine. Now on the other end of it, you're not crowded in because you only have three people on a side of a dice table, or some casinos push it to four on a side, which I think they were doing in Laughlin. But but overall, uh, I don't like plexiglass. I mean, and now remember, there is plexiglass everywhere else now, like at mm-hmm. all, all of the stations when you go to a restaurant and see a hostess, when you go up to a casino cage, when you go up to the rewards desk, you know, they've got plexiglass everywhere now. I, I don't, but it doesn't bother me enough. Like I would, it wouldn't discourage me from playing, you know, from playing a game. So I play dice at, at Win and I play dice at Paris and both, you know, one had plexi, one didn't. So it was, it was fine. Uh, Win was allowing smoking at the dice table Wynn was allowing smoking at the dice tables. A uh, Caesars is not allowing smoking at the dice tables anymore. These are the kind of things that are just very tricky. But quite honestly, and I'm not always the most coordinated pe- person, trying to drink, mask, smoke, mask, mm-hmm. and handle your chips and play dice at the same time, you go sort of Looney Tunes after a while. So, I mean, that's, that's just the problem of dealing with COVID. I, I will tell you one thing. You drink your drinks a hell of a lot sl- uh, slower. I used to drink my bourbon much, much faster at the table. But now that I can only take a sip and then I have to put uh, my mask back up, it takes me three times as long to consume the alcohol. <laughs> Uh, I can see that being a problem. Yeah. Uh, did you try to drink through the mask instead of forgetting to take it down? <laughs> I, I, I almost did that once too. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of. I've done it. Now I will notice, like outside in Vegas, when you walk on the strip, about twenty percent of the people are wearing their masks outside. Hmm. Interesting. I don't. I I saw that I'm in San not, Francisco or San Mateo this week. Um, people there were definitely wearing them outside. Also, I think it's a combination of just being used to it, and it it's not bad to do it. Um, it's probably not as necessary, but it also depends on sort of where you are and what level of crowds you're used to. 
And where you're and where you're from, like we were saying, like if you're from Massachusetts, they require that you wear masks outside. So maybe you're so used to wearing your mask outside that now all of a sudden it's weird to be taking it off outside or yeah. stuff like that. I mean, my biggest problem now that I'm back in the world of driving in a car is like jumping out of the car without my mask and then having to run back to the car to get my mask before I go into Starbucks or something like that. So <laughs> I, I I can totally understand. You know, people joke about people who are wearing masks while they're driving. I get it. If you've got to make five stops and you're in and out of your car, you know, it's a pain and it's really a pain if you get out of your car and go into a store and you don't have your mask, they have to run back to the car. So I can understand some people like, I'm just going to leave it on because I I don't want to deal with it. Exactly. So that actually does make sense to me. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about compliance. So you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, you touched on it. Um, but real quickly, like what, uh, what is, uh, Vegas doing around compliance? And you, you mentioned maybe it's controlled by gaming and there's been some fines around people, uh, uh, casinos not complying. Yes. And gaming does a bunch of the compliance. So gaming is sending, you know, people to watch the properties and to make sure Mm. that they're doing what they're supposed to do in employee areas and in the areas of the casino. And what's happening because of that, that's why you have casino security on the cocktail waitresses and other people, because gaming can basically give the casinos fines if they don't find them being compliant with what they're supposed to do for COVID-19. So I would say that that's probably necessary and a good thing. Now, I don't know how it works in other cities. I'm guessing New York has a compliance methodology, but they probably just don't have as many people working. (laughs) You know, there are so many restaurants and so many venues. But Vegas, if you think about it, there aren't that many venues and and gaming has a lot of agents, you know, Mm -hmm. because what I'm guessing, and I don't know this for sure. So, and this would be interesting. Remember, gaming has people who watch to make sure things are done properly at the properties to begin with. Remember, if you feel that a casino has not done something correctly, you have the right as a patron to call gaming and say, I want them, you know, you're not paying out that bet. This happened. We disagree. Call gaming. I want gaming to make the decision on this. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's so I mean, they have an infrastructure set up with that kind of thing. I also think, you know, the optics for Las Vegas are very, very important. They've just started reopening shows. So they finally uh, they're finally starting to reopen shows on a limited basis with social distancing between one comedy show that has a bunch of dummies sitting in there. I think it's absent. I think absence, uh, absent, absent, uh, you were tweeting about it earlier. You from yeah. Vegas confessions or something. Yeah. 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 So they just, uh, they do that. Ooh. One of the things I did on this trip, which is really cool is I did my first YouTube live stream with Vegas confessions. We did a blackjack live stream with, uh, three of us at the three of us at the blackjack table. Uh, Plaza has been really cool. If you're, you would be into this kind of thing, Seth, because it's so geeky. They're allowing you to like do live streams of real casino games. So basically, we were able to live stream this actual blackjack game. Their only requirement is that the game be a $25 game and that we all bought in for $500. And uh, worst shoes I've ever seen. But it was super cool to be able to do that. I mean, worst. I hate. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've heard me say this before. I I hate blackjack. Blackjack is the devil's game. But uh, (laughs) that's. But it was great to do with my friends. So it was. it, it was really, really cool. The guy, uh, Saul from Las Vegas Junkies was there and Julian from Vegas Confessions. So that was cool. And we've, and the next one we're going to do is probably a live stream from the dice table. And it's just really cool being able to, you know, they're chatting with people at the live stream and all that. So from a geeky kind of content perspective, I thought it was great. And that all, that all came about organically. So that was, that was sort of cool because they had one more spot and I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. 
it, even though I hate blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's fun, though. That sounds like fun. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to Seth's point, you know, I think Vegas is doing as well as Vegas can do. You know, considering – I think they're doing – Actually, a better way to say it is I think Vegas is doing what they're saying they're doing with regard to mm. compliance. Now, yes, you if you go around with your camera, you will find people with masks off. You will find people breaking rules. Of course you will. I mean, mm-hmm. but overall, they are making an effort to have social distancing, to have people wear masks, to have people use hand sanitizer, to space out the restaurants properly. Like they're doing that. But still, that obviously that's not that's never going to be 100%. Some of the things that have gotten much better, if you remember my complaint about Caesars last time, Paris is a Caesars property. They have valet parking now. They have bellhop service, they have daily housekeeping, and what they've done, actually you'll like this. Uh they don't have traditional room service. That, they have room service by a QR code, and you can order from any of the restaurants in the hotel from a limited menu, and they bring it to you like takeaway. So that that's how they've redone their room service menu. So they sort of like deliver from the restaurants in the hotel as takeaway. So that, that's- Is the bellhop allowed to actually come up and bring stuff to your room? This is interesting. Did I mention this to you? No, I was talking with uh, Ed Pizza about, he was in, uh, I think it was the Swan at Disney, and they had a bellhop at the front desk- and, you know, someone, it was a friend of his, checked in and said, um, here's my room number. Can you bring my bags up? And the guy's like, no, I can't. I'm not allowed to leave the lobby. Uh, okay, so this is sort what... of defeats the purpose of a bellhop. <laughs> so, of course, we get there. We pull up our car in valet. We've got – we're always schlepping a lot of bags. I think it's our routine now uh, for, for this slight moment. But we also had tuxedos and gowns and things like that for this party. So uh, they took our bags. We checked in. We got up to our suite. We called for our bags. Bellhop shows up, knock, knock, knock at the door. Nicest guy in the world comes in. Where do you want this? Where do you want that? I'll put this here. I'll put this there. Do you have any other questions? Do you want me to explain to you how the room service works? Like, traditional, you know, Vegas thing. Gave him a nice tip and all that. All good. Fast forward to, what, five days later when we leave. Call for a bellhop. Guy shows up at the door. We've got our bags in a couple different places in the room. But, like, two in the bedroom, two somewhere else. I open the door. I go, hi, hi. So then I just open the door. Then I walk away for a moment. And Ellen and I are looking at each other. And we go back to the door. And he's like still standing there in the door. And we're like, hi, are you going to come in and get the bags? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I can't come in to get the bags. You need to bring the bags to the door. I'm like, okay. So then Ellen and I went and we grabbed all the bags. We brought them to the door. Nice fellow. I gave him it. He's like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but we're not allowed to enter your room at all. We can just bring the bags to the door. And I was like... Okay. <laughs> I'm like, so, so uh, the other guy clearly either didn't get the memo or didn't care and wanted the bigger tip. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, okay, but I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that they did it differently. We arrived. That's why we were confused. I wasn't doing it to be a jerk, you know, like, <laughs> because it was just sort of like he kept standing there and we're in the room. We're like a standoff. It's like, who's going to move first? <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, it's like, come on, get the bags, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think some of this stuff is, and you know, but you know what? I think of myself if I'm that employee. And I've been working at this hotel for 20 years and I get up to a room. It's almost embarrassing to say, hello, Mr. Traeger. Uh, I'm going to leave all these bags for you in the hallway outside your suite. And thank you very much and have a great stay. You know, think about being this employee that's used to coming in and bringing the bags. Can I get you some ice? Can I show you how this works? It's unusual. And of course, I would never, I would totally be understanding about it. But you've got to guess that a bunch of people in a suite in Vegas, especially people with status, would be like, what the hell are you talking about? You're leaving my bags outside the room. You know, it's, 
I, I think they have to do a better job of explaining it to people when they take your bags. Like maybe you give your bags and they say, sir, I want you to understand we're, when you call, we are going to deliver the bags to your room in a contactless environment, but we will not be able to bring them in. That might be a better way to do it. Mm. If you think from a process than just, uh, you know, I mean, because it's, hey, isn't everything in life expectations? Right. It really is about setting those expectations. I agree. If, if, they t- if they warn you, we can't come in and out and whatever, you know, for your protection, blah, blah, blah. It's not like that one's a cost saving thing where some of the other stuff could be interpreted as that. Like you're still sending the guy up there. It's not like it changes the amount of time he's spending. So, well, it's just and the thing that drives me crazy, it's like Wynn is so overboard with stuff like the pen condoms are my favorite. You know, you need to sign your bill. They bring you a pen, which is wrapped in plastic and you need to take it out of the plastic to sign the bill. And then they remind you that they're going to throw away the pen. And then the other thing that Wynn does, which uh, thank goodness they're reminding people, anything they put on your table, they throw away. So if you want salt, pepper, whatever, all gets thrown away. So they're actually- Are they using like full-size shakers or like little packets? They're using- uh, Like airline shakers. Packets, but you know, but think about like things like maple syrup and like uh, preserves and things like that in the morning, everything. So now they're telling you, and for room service too, they're telling you, because if they bring you ketchup, everything gets thrown away. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. So, which you brought me the mini mayonnaise, it would get thrown away, never used, and that's a bad thing. So, yeah. So, I, I hate the, you know, I was saying to my wife, we've gone so far with, you know, being more conscious about stuff, but now with the amount of additional things being thrown away, also plastic, you know, always on the casino floors, they use glassware. Well, Paris is mostly using plastic unless you request glassware. Wind's still really good about the about the glassware thing. Obviously, I have an issue with glassware. British Airways, I actually brought my own glassware and since they're not <laughs> since they're not catering proper champagne and this was our big trip to California, I got a bottle of Dom Perignon in duty-free and uh, they were great. British Airways is really cool as long as you ask them, they will serve you your own alcohol, but you need to just ask. And even in first class in British Airways, they're still just serving uh, little splits of a lousy non-vintage champagne. So we did do a little bit of self-catering for our flight and they were super gracious about it. Uh, also laughing at me, but the guy across the aisle from me in first class, I could tell he was super confused because he was like, what wines do you have? And they're like, we just have these two wines in a little red and white. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, and honestly, maybe he wasn't a complete, he was definitely a business traveler and he was German. Maybe he wasn't completely full fare, but I think he was a little shocked by what was going on. And, you know, honestly, not everyone's in the know like we are. Like, I knew exactly what to expect, but goodness, if you had no idea what to expect, you would be shocked because British, they were only, now they're serving hot meals again in club, but they were, they were serving hot meals in first class only. They literally just loaded, loaded the exact number of hot meals for the cabin and they don't unwrap them. And literally my chicken was like the yellow curry chicken and it literally just said like it had a label over the foil that said like yellow chicken and i kept thinking of the movie vegas vacation when he goes to the buffet and says i'll have more of the yellow so i was like is that how we're ordering now in first class i'll have the yellow what do you have to make? order by color come on it's easy <laughs> um Listen, Mike, uh, tons of stuff going on here. This has been an amazing conversation. We've been rambling for way too long, though. I got to cut you off. Um, 
There's going to be a bit of bonus content coming up later, leaving Las Vegas um, and getting out into traveling uh, to the Grand Canyon. Uh, we're going to have that discussion. But uh, in the meantime, for all our listeners, uh, Michael's at TravelZork. Basically, everywhere um, social media handles can be found or TravelZork.com. Um, we are Dots, Lines, and Destinations. More Dots, More Lines.com or at Dots, Lines on Twitter. Um, you can leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. Um, we also like being correct. So being corrected is awesome. Um, and it's usually me getting corrected. So that's cool too. Uh, this time, um, I'm sure it'll be about how in and out really isn't as awful as I think it is, but I look forward to those conversations. Um, I have very strong don't, opinions on this. Don't at don't me at, at set. Yeah. 